Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. All right, another Warrior Mindset podcast episode. I'm your host, Gene. Thanks for joining me. Um, first off, check out our sponsors. You can see them down at the bottom there. You got uh, Tactic Calories and then Strike Force Energy. Um, although Strike Force Energy will be going away soon, please get yourself some of that and absolutely try out the Tactic Calories. Um, their spices and seasonings are incredible and I fully support them. All right, so today I want to talk about a book that I picked up and read and then immediately bought the audiobook because I had seen that he was narrating it himself, Matthew McConaughey. And I've come to like this guy a lot over the past couple of years because stuff has come out about him and he's done some interviews and things and it just seems like a really cool cat. But um, his book, Green Lights, uh, I think technically dubbed an autobiography, but it's, in his own words, more like a memoir. <laughs> um, so, if you're not familiar with him, Matthew McConaughey Conahay is an Academy Award-winning actor known for such films as Dazed and Confused, Dallas Buyers Club, which he won his Academy Award for, Interstellar, Free State of Jones, and most notably, True Detective on HBO, one of my favorites. Uh, you go to greenlights.com, get his stuff. Um, anyway, the, the whole precipice, that's not the right word. The whole point is uh, this dude has kept a diary for 35 plus years, um, which is in and of itself impressive to me, um, being someone who journals uh, somewhat, obviously not every day, um, uh, but this this guy has um, written lots of uh, thoughts and anecdotes and um, poems and recountings of stories and things like that in it, and uh, he was able to pull from it, and I feel like he has been pulling from it before this book, um, but specifically pulled from it and created his memoir. It's really more about him sharing um, his life stories, and as he says, so you can or don't have to learn from, um, but he hopes that it would. And his approach was that uh, he wanted that even if his name was not attached to the book, it would still be interesting, right? So even in the absence of his fame, the book would still be interesting because of the stories and things. And this dude has been, uh, he's had a pretty ex- interesting life. Um, you know, there's the, the most interesting man in the world. I think that's a Corona beer or whatever. This this dude is definitely um, worthy of that meme. Um, and you can read the book for yourself. Um, the whole concept of the title, I guess, uh, Green Lights. Um, green Lights are those quiet or sometimes loud um, messages that we get that reminds us to enjoy the experience or to 
make that move to something bigger or better. Um, and by messages, I mean things sent to us in our subconscious or not so subconsciously that we need to be a, aware of and pay attention to. In his own words, a green light is an affirmation setting yourself up for success. A green light can be as simple as putting your coffee in the coffee filter before you go to bed. So tomorrow morning, all you have to do is push the button. So it's not just about uh, being aware enough to get those messages and those signals. Um, but it, in his case, and we'll get into this later through some other parts, um, it's about putting yourself in the position to be aware of those signals or to be aware of your uh, ability to make a move. It's about putting yourself in that position, actively experiencing life and not just passively. Um, I would say he's truly a warrior monk <laughs> in both sense of the word, words, both words. Um, he lives that, that monk lifestyle of constantly looking into himself and, and trying to learn from his experiences. And at the same time, he approaches it actively. He doesn't just sequester himself off to a mountaintop to observe. Okay, there's, there's definitely a part of that, but there's also this aspect of him actively making things happen in his life. Um, another another uh, large piece of this is what he calls the outlaw log- logic, outlaw logic. Um, and, and I sort of, and, and this, this embodies itself a lot in a lot of his stories about his dad. Um, and his dad seems to be a, a very prominent and important influence in his life. And I think for many of us uh, men, um, our dads are influential in our lives, um, especially the good ones. And even more so the bad ones for, for anybody. Um, you know, you, good positive lessons are in learning what not to do. But it's more like um, myself personally, I, I, I kind of connect to this because uh, younger, um, growing up, I was a, I was a skateboarder um, uh, in the late 80s in uh, a, a little bit into the early 90s, but mostly late 80s. And there was a certain, um, you know, thought and uh, approach to life in that, um, we, you know, we, we're not persecuted, but to a certain degree, people didn't like us. We were, we were seen as punks, and, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily punks, but that's how we were seen. You know, the, the cops would chase us away. Um, people would run us off of their property, uh, you know, whether, uh, whether warranted or earned. Um, I'm not so sure looking back now as an adult, but it's a lot of the same outlaw logic in how we approach things as um, a group of skateboarders. And if, if you are one of those people, like me, you, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, some things in here, and I don't want to make this just a blow-by-blow a blow recap of this thing, uh, because for me it wasn't so much the nuts and bolts of it, which is, I think, still the same approach that he had to his book. 
he didn't want to just do a film by film, you know, tell all. It uh, really wasn't the point. The point was more about the experiences, and that's kind of how I want to approach this. Um, one of the things that struck me was uh, some of the stories about his mom, and mom, his mom and his dad, but his mom. Um, and early on, she instilled in him this uh, "no thanks, this ain't me" sensibility, um, or the ability to walk away from something or someone, or you know, importantly, if something's not working. Or, or a relationship just isn't what it should be, then, I mean, you owe it to yourself to, to just change, to change it, to walk away. Um, and not only that, but even in business, sometimes sometimes things aren't a good deal, you know, and, and you have to be willing to walk away. I was literally just talking to someone uh, this morning of recording this, and uh, a week or so ago they told me they quit their job. And... Um, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of important at their job or whatever. So, you know, I got the sense that uh, their boss wouldn't let them go that easily, even though they had, had quit. But, but they were, you know, they'd said that, I asked them today, how was it going? And they said, well, I'm going to go in today. And, uh, you know, my boss or my ex-boss, whatever you want to call him, wants to talk about it. And so that's what they were doing this very morning. Um, and I said, listen, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I do know that if this is what you're going to do, you have to be willing to you have to be willing to walk away. You got you need to be willing to quit. Um, like in the sense of the samurai, you have to be willing to die. If it's going to work, you have to truly not want it. You have to be ready to leave. You know, uh, because if you're not, or you're you're doing it for the wrong reasons, it's not going to work out in your favor, right? Because you clearly are going to not want the outcome to be what it is, and uh, you're going to lose. So this whole no thanks to Saint Me sensibility is something that, you know, we should cultivate in, in each of us, I think. Uh, and then the, uh, the famous all right, all right, all right uh, line is interesting in, in, to learn about this is that that was the first line in the first movie <laughs> and the first thing he said um, while on the, on the screen in the movie Dazed and Confused. Um, and it's interesting that, that, like, literally the very first thing he said on the screen is the thing that's kind of stuck with him. Um, and, it, you know, it's like the number one thing people do when they want to do an impression of this guy. Um, it's just a, a, an interesting thing. Uh, and there's a story where he took a break. I mean, you know, Matthew McConaughey is a, a famous actor, a very wealthy human being from being in movies very successful, won an Academy Award. Um, but there's a time there where he was basically um, being cast as the same thing, this romantic comedy um, leading man sort of role over and over and over. Um, and that, that's not how he started, and you know that's not how he's going to finish, but, but he took a break, uh, break in air quotes from these, this rom-com leading man thing. And uh, you know it cost him 20 months of not working. And, uh, you know, clearly that cost him millions of dollars. And, you know, he wanted to do more meaningful, deeper work. Um, And so he put his money where his mouth is, and, you know, he has perspective in life, and he was willing to um, not just do it for the money. Uh, That's easier said than done, but I think he literally proved it for not working for almost two years. 
Uh, and that's fascinating to me that someone at that level, uh, what you would consider that level of success, would be willing to do. Um, it talks about, uh, we, get, we can get into this some too. Um, uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, you know, uh, he went to uh, Africa <laughs> and uh, got in some, some organized fights, which was an interesting story, um, being a martial artist, uh, to listen to that sort of aspect. And, and I think he did some wrestling or whatever. Um, in high school, but, uh, you know, nothing, nothing really beyond like a high school level situation, I think, although maybe he's a good athlete, it sounds like from some of the stories, but, uh, you know, he's in Africa and he gets sort of put into these, um, uh, spectacle fights, whatever in the, these towns. And, um, you know, the, the story is that, uh, he's put against like this, this really good fighter, who's apparently known in the region, not just the town he's in, but like in every town around, this, this dude's the winner. And he's put in there with him, and they fight, and he doesn't win. Um, you know, they, they, there's this long, drawn-out uh, description of the fights and stuff that he gives. And uh, at the end, you know, the, the guy who's sort of refing it, the, the town chieftain or whatever, He's like, he raises Matthew's, uh, Matthew's hand like as a victor or whatever, and the other guy kind of storms off, and, you know, Matthew asks him, did I win? Because he didn't really know, like, the rules of the fighting, or, and he couldn't really speak the language or whatever, but he's like, did I win? And the chief was like, no, you didn't win. I mean, that guy's, like, the best. He's like, but what you did was you stepped in the ring. So the moment you stepped in the ring, in all of their eyes, you already won. And now you have their respect. And um, that, that is how warriors recognize each other. And that is how warriors respect each other. And that's true no matter where you are in the world or who you're talking to. And that is, uh, that's a killer story. Um, we should all study that one. Uh, what, but just before that, uh, he was in... Um, the movie Reign of Fire. It's one of my favorite movies, actually. It's set in a, like a post-apocalyptic future, like set of zombies. They have like dragons and stuff, but um, it's it's cool. But he played this. Um, uh, What's the character's name? Uh, Van Zant, I think, if I remember right. Um, he was in the movie with Christian Bale, another another leading man, probably about the same level, probably about the same levels um, of popularity, maybe. Um, and, uh, to, you know, if, if you remember this character, this character is like bald, big bushy beard. He's got super jacked physique. His arms are huge, tattoos everywhere. He talks about the workout regime he created, how he's trying to think through being a dragon slayer, um, trying to think through being this character Van Zant. And um, you know, he comes up with this crazy regimen that he's going to do, uh, which is like um, running five or six miles a day barefoot through, you know, like the mountainous desert area. Like he's going to stand on the edge of his barn, which is like 40 feet up in the air. You know, he's going to stand around the edge of it and just kind of peer over the edge and, and feel that adrenaline. Um, he's going to shave his head. And then he's going to like go out to this cow pasture and like tackle these cows um, <laughs> every day. 
And he's like giving this crazy account of how he's going to figure this out and this is going to help him get in the mindset of this character. Um, but in reality, he did it for a few weeks and he just kind of couldn't keep it up because, uh, you know, obviously it's crazy. You can't run six miles a day barefooted in the desert. Um, you know, standing on that ledge, he's scared shitlessly. He said he never actually got up there. Um, he got in trouble for shaving his head with his producers and director. And then, you know, he tried to wrestle the wrong cow one day and the cow put him on his butt. Um, <laughs> but he said what it did teach him was um, about failure and how somebody like this character living in that post-apocalyptic world would would face um, you know, adversity against their plans, uh, a.k.a. failure all the time, and would still have to uh, be, in, be alive. That's uh, a cool story, too. And then, uh, you know, early on he talks about... Um, uh, physical punishment as a kid, corporal punishment. Um, I got that too as a kid. Um, you know, I got spanked. Um, I've, you know, I've spanked my kid, kids before. I don't 100% agree with it, um, but like Matthew McConaughey, I as well, I would never trade in uh, that upbringing for anything else. And, um, you know, those lessons that I got from that, learning what not to do and, uh, you know, that there are consequences for my actions um, early on are, are invaluable. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if that's the answer or not. A lot of people are going to disagree with that, um, you know, to each his own there, whatever. But um, I do think that we are lacking that as a society. We're lacking that um, fear of consequences um, because that is can be what helps drive you um, or not um, so I never knew this about him but he went to law school and uh, it was sort of a big deal for him to get into law school um, and then he changed uh, midway to film school because he wanted to be an actor or, or whatever um, he just wanted to be in that industry and this, the story he tells about when he calls his dad and he was afraid to have this conversation with his dad. He was afraid to tell him, you know, that he wasn't going to be in law school anymore. And, um, you know, it was this big buildup and stuff. And his dad said, well, don't half-ass it. And that's beautiful to me. Um, and it is because uh, I went to, I'm not comparing myself to him, or his success, but I went to uh, college uh, as a studio art major, later changed to graphic design. It was very similar, um, but got a lot of uh, feedback from my parents, that, and they didn't understand it, and, uh, you know, we're always pushing to, like, why don't you just study business or whatever, and, um, you know, I can feel that. I can feel that uh, fight, and I can feel that uh, uh, you know resistance on his behalf um, through his story. Uh, and for his dad to say, "Don't half-ass it," I mean, that's like uh, you know he's saying, "Okay, I hear you and I support you, but do the best you can do. If you're going to do this, be the best you can be at it." And I'm going to support you being the best you can be. That's really strong um, from a parent 
because it's not just blind acceptance. It is acceptance, but also uh, a push. It's also saying, I expect you to do very well at this, if this is what you're going to do. You know? Um, uh, you know, a reference, I'm going to reference here a, a New York Times article about the book. Um, I'll read this section here. He recounts how he landed his breakthrough role as the likable sleaze Wood- Wooderson in Days and Confused by tracking down the film's casting director, Don Phillips. He talks about Don a good bit in the book. In an Austin bar and charming his way into an audition. A few years later, a not-yet-bankable actor mounted a successful campaign to, to persuade the director, Joel Schumacher, to cast him in the leading role in his adaptation of A Time to Kill. Um, so, stories like these illustrate how he is not content to merely let life happen to him. It's always been obvious to me that I do not have a laissez-faire attitude, he says. It's a state of being that I work at continuously daily, and I break a sweat to get it. Perpetually preparing himself for opportunities and actively steering himself towards them. Okay, the point of this dazed and confused audition story isn't that uh, he simply happened to be in the right place at the right time. It's not about being magically discovered in a bar. Like, he went over to the guy he heard was casting it and, and talked to the guy and talked him into it. Matthew's playing the long game. Right? So, again, this, this theme of being active in your endeavors, not just passive. You know, don't just observe life like a monk recluse, right? Be the warrior monk and observe life as it's happening, but actively participate in it, right? Throw off your fear of judgment and dance, man. You know, if there was any lesson I wanted my my two sons to have in life, it would be that one. Be active in your life. Make things happen. Don't just respond. Um, hell, even in fighting, it's something I coach. Don't just be a counterfighter, right? You don't just wait for something and then react to it. That's not how you win. You know, Musashi himself tells us there's three modes of fighting. One is attacking first, right? One is waiting and then reacting, and then one is doing it at the same time, like both sides attacking at the same time, right? Two out of three of those involve you actually attacking. That's just good advice. Um, So, uh, moving on. Uh, He's got this really weird story about um, dreams he has floating downstream in the Amazon River, what he thinks is the Amazon River, surrounded by, uh, you know, animals in the jungle and African tribesmen lined up on the edge. And I, I believe they're, like, shooting arrows at him or whatever. Um, and to, to be weird about it, he has, like, a wet dream because of this. And I'm, I'm not sure the psychology there. Um, but, again, it's part of his charm to be open and, and make, make his stories a little wild. Um, 
But in the end, he interpreted these dreams as signals. And so he traveled to South America, and then later he went to Africa, um, which is where he got into those, those fights I was talking about earlier. So he's sort of like uh, listening like to his subconscious psyche by, by, by paying attention to his dreams and reacting on them. Um, but then they also, also at the same time, he's being very pragmatic. And uh, I find that charming and I find it very uh, insightful personally because I don't know if I've ever actually acted on a dream. You know, we say like, one of my dreams is to do such and such, but is it a subconscious yearning or a need to discover something within yourself or is it merely uh, something that your conscious thinks you want to do and you're just utilizing that? It's interesting. Uh, there's a dichotomy in him in that he is a practicing Methodist, but also very much a mystic uh, in these things, in the way he's approaching these things. Um, and that's that sort of like place where most of us, I think, I, I, I want to think most of us sort of live. It's in this in-between world of, of uh, you know, being religious, but being... Uh, agnostic and also being just pragmatic, but also being um, aimlessly spiritual at the same time. I mean, I think most of us are there. Like we, we, we really, most of us want to want to think that there's something bigger in the universe, right? But we just can't believe in, say, man's word about the mystical universe. But but we still yearn to to discover that. Um, Maybe that's where most science comes from. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's interesting to hear his, his outlook and his, his deep dives into it. Uh, he says, to conclude life is all about luck is to surrender to fatalism. Quit letting yourself off the hook. If that's true, then run every red light. You've got your hands on the wheel. You're making choices. They matter. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting quote. Quit letting yourself off the hook. If life is all about luck, then run every red light. You have your hands on the wheel. You're making choices. They matter. Yeah, be active. Actively make something happen. Actively use the one power in life you have, which is the power to choose. Right? Even doing nothing is a choice. Pay attention. Uh, so I'm going to drop some links in here as well. Um, uh, his, his University of Houston graduation speech, I'm going to drop that in there. I might dig into that in another, uh, another thing because I'd found that a while back and I've been sort of itching to touch on that in, a, in, a, in another episode or something. But, um, and then the, uh, recently he was on Joe Rogan, um, 1552. It's uh, a really great... Thing. I mean, honestly, you could just listen to that if you don't want to spend any money on the book. Um, that's pretty deep, too. Um, and if you're a Rogan fan, uh, having Rogan and McConaughey together, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I can only look forward to the day where, you know, Rogan gets uh, Keanu Reeves on here. Um, but here's some stuff that comes out of that, which are from the book as well. But, um, so, like, one of his rules in life that he does 
in the morning is check in with yourself before you check in with the world, right? I mean, how often do you wake up and open up your phone? I mean, holy shit. You don't even know, like, you don't even, you wake up, you don't even know if you're okay yet. And then you're feeding your brain with this outside influence. Take a few. Go take a pee. Get some tea or some coffee or whatever you do in your morning. And then look at that stuff. Then check those emails. Check in with yourself first. That's some strong advice, man. I think um, I think we all need to do that. I'm, I'm going to start doing that, uh, like, immediately. Stress is part of life. It means you give a damn. Uh, my sensei has said... Uh, uh, I don't know if he said it or if another uh, black belt friend of mine said it, was that um, if you are nervous, that means you care, right? If you're nervous about something, it means you care about the outcome. You care about um, what you're going to do, right? So stress is part of life. It means you give a damn. If you're feeling stressed about something, it means you actually care. You should be sensitive to that. You should study that and research that uh, interpersonally and figure out... Um, you know, where that's coming from and, and what's going on there. Equality of outcome is not equality of effort. Okay, he said that again. Equality of outcome is a terrible idea. Equality of opportunity is an amazing idea. That's, that's friggin' true. Um, true equality is by everyone having the same opportunities. <laughs> Not that everybody has the same outcome from those opportunities, right? And, you know, we have to work on that. We have to, you know, it's life. Life isn't getting what you want. Life, life is tough. And, um, you know, you have to live it. You have to give a damn. Make things happen. Don't be passive. All this stuff. And then uh, he's got this great quote, uh, or it's almost like a poem, but it's, I'm, I'm going to put it here like a quote. Finish. 95% of people don't finish what they start. However small the task, only when you finish can you be proud. No matter what the outcome, finish. I'm going to leave you with that. That is strong. Never give up. Never quit. 1% every day. Don't bitch if you don't finish. <laughs> and don't talk to me if you quit. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Go grab the book. I actually suggest the audiobook. Um, he's fun to listen to. Uh, at least check out this Joe Rogan podcast. And uh, hope you fall in love with this dude as much as I have. Super looking forward to what else he puts out. Catch you later.